I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Back, I'm staying with Proverbs, but after sun, after Sunday night um, and the, the giving, I really felt, I actually felt it yesterday. I got up this morning and started working on some things. We're going to stay with again with Proverbs, but I'm going to cover some ground that I've already covered once before. And um, it's been a long time since I really, we, we've been doing a lot of giving, tithing. We've done very well, even though I've been told you're never supposed to tell a congregation that because they quit giving. But we have, but I have not in a long time really taught. I've got a very lengthy teaching on tithes and offerings that I used to do, and I've done it years. Um, what I did was I revised, I mean, you don't revise Scripture, but I revised the, how I'm presenting it tonight. And I'm going to give you some, some information, biblical information tonight that will help you. Um, Especially in the time that we're living in right now, people who have a need, uh, a, a desperate need, for for money. I mean, you, you people are hurting, and uh, and uh, the Bible tells us that God gives us uh, the way to earn money. He gives us the strength to earn money. Uh, we we have that, but there's other principles that go along with that. That we are, uh, we are. I, I think some of us get it. There's several that get it, but there's still some of you that don't quite comprehend. Because I, you know, I've talked to people uh, who've actually come to me and, and would tell me, "Well, I just don't have the money. I can't pay my bills and pay tithes." And they they missed it. They don't understand. That's why they don't have the money to pay their bills. That's why, because if you don't get that principle down, you will always not have the money to tithe. You'll, you'll always do it. But when you understand that you, that's God's portion and you have no, that's not yours, you're robbing God. So we're going we're gonna to talk of that. And if I get through this particular thing, I'm going to go back to Proverbs 20 and verse 20. But right now I want to cover this. And if you would go ahead and put up Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. I'm just going to use this. Uh, did, I'm sorry, did I have you do it in the Amplified? I don't remember. Can you do the ampli- Okay, good, good. Thank you, thank you. That's King James. I need to amplify. There we go. Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors. Look at this. I love that the Amplified is so brings it out so well. And with the first fruits of part of your income. I'm sorry. That net is that just net in it, Brother Fox? Does that say that? Uh, that's a, with net of your in- no. It's, it's all your income. All right? That's what Brother Fox says. It's according if you want a net blessing or a gross blessing. Okay? All your hands, so shall your storage places be filled with plenty, and your vat shall be overflowing with new wine. Okay? Uh, that's Proverbs, and that's, uh, that's one. We're going to cover several scriptures tonight uh, in doing this. Uh, Lord, bless you for standing with me, and you may be seated. Uh, one thing is a very definite fact, and if you ever would just uh, begin to do a study uh, at all uh, on tithing, you will find out that there, uh, in the past, and I have brought these out, and, and I'm not going to really bring out very uh, any of them tonight, but there's a lot of uh, very, very good, uh, very wealthy 
businessmen that learned the principle of tithing when they first started business and become wealthy as a result of it. And you'll find out that a lot of businessmen, a lot of them, search the pages of the Bible for guidance in their daily affairs. There's a lot of them that do. Even though they don't darken a church door, they'll, they'll search for that. And a lot of them have found that the Bible has many practical words of advice, especially to the money handler. So if you want to really find out how to handle money, search the Scripture because it will tell you. And you can consider the biblical principles of saving. And we're going to go to that one in Proverbs 6, 6 and 8. Now, I've got this. You're going to have the Amplified, but it's going to the ant. Honor, or I'm sorry, go go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways. Now, this is saving. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no chief, overseer, or ruler, provides her food in the summer and gathers her supplies in the harvest. So the ant, according to, uh, to Solomon, is a great example of how we are to save. And in the King James Version, it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and wise and be wise, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. But let's take it just a little deeper now. Just a little bit deeper. Uh, in Acts 20, verse 35, I want you to see this. Acts 20, verse 35. And everything I have pointed out to you by example, that by working diligently in this manner, we ought to assist the weak being mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed and makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. So that's taking it even deeper. Jesus made that statement. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now when we can, can look at that scripture, when we can look at those words and understand those words, and internalize those words, and believe those words, and act on those words, then we begin to get a glimpse of what this is all about and an understanding of the principle of giving. Then we begin to just, just to get a, a glimpse of it. And really, when you, the harder up you are, the more you ought to give because the more you'll be blessed. It's just that simple. Now, once a person begins to use some of his resources to help others. He discovers that he has begun to lose some of his selfish attitudes. You ever notice that? You ever notice when you finally break through and say, I'm going to do this, that not only do you feel better, but you begin to lose some of the selfishness? And I don't care who you are, and I don't care how long you've served God, that at any given time you can, you can get over your selfishness on Monday and you can be selfish again by Wednesday. I mean, that's just the way we are. And we can use every kind of uh, excuse in the book. You know, I've got, I got to save for this or I've got to do this. You know, we can use it. But when you begin to lose, completely lose a selfish attitude, it's only as a result of beginning to help and to give the way that we're supposed to. So, so this principle of concern for others exerts a great and a great stabilizing influence on the overall well-being of an individual. You just simply feel better if you do this. And the book of Proverbs expresses the principle in this way. And it says, It is possible to give away 
and become richer. Now, she'll bring it up in Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. Now, what I'm reading to you is out of the Living Bible. It is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich by watering others. He waters himself. Now, looking at the same one, the Amplified. There are those who generously scatter abroad and yet increase more. There are those who withhold more than is fitting or what is justly due, but it results only in want. The liberal person shall be enriched, and he who waters shall himself be watered. So, now that, this, this it's a great proverb. That lets you know that if you want to be successful, you've got to be sure that other people are successful. That's what that is saying. Thousands have had their lives vastly changed for the better by the biblical principles of tithing. And they found out that it works. You have to look at it this way. This is a great way. And this is something that uh, I've been looking at for some time. And I'm going to do my best to explain it to you the best way I can. Everything that is produced, money and the things money will buy, comes from the earth. Man did not make the earth. God did. Man merely applies energy in thinking and planning and labor while on the earth, which God created and owns. Where does the energy man expend really come from? It, too, comes from God. You merely utilize what God supplies. Therefore, God has a prior claim of ownership on all you take for granted that you produce. So whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do. Everything that you do it with comes from God. God owns the earth. God gives you energy. Everything you do comes from God. Get that concept in your mind. But God, then, is concerned about humanity. He has our interests and our welfare in mind, and He has set laws in motion for our benefit, regulating that portion of His wealth which our thinking and our labor extracted from the earth and developed. God's law regulating what man earns can be likened to a contract. God has entered into a contract with mankind. Follow me. He allows humanity to work on his earth, to use a part of the earth for food and other materials for our livelihood, to utilize its soil, its timber, its water, its coal and oil, and to manufacture products from it. In turn, God wants us to understand that we are working with him in partnership. Maintaining and developing what He created. We develop what He created. You put wire in, but that wire came from the earth. So then you're in partnership with what you do. You cut grass. Well, you don't. All your boys do. (laughs) But it's a part of what you do. And you see, it's a matter of you're in partnership, whatever it is. You work on computers. I guarantee you those computers are made from elements that came from the earth. I stand up here and preach to you. The wind from my lungs comes from God. I was going on a holding my breath. 
down, going down in, in the pool with the boys. And, you know, I said, we'll just sit down here. But the problem with me is when I, I inflate my lungs, I'm like a balloon. You know, I, try, I, can't, I have to hold myself down. And, you know, I could, I could stay down there for long periods of time. They couldn't understand it. And I said, boys, when you used your lungs as much as I have for as long as I have, I said, you'll be able to do that too. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it all comes from God. And we're in partnership with him. So let's look at the, the history of that partnership. But let's just go, let's take this a little further. The first man, Adam, was instructed to dress and keep the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.15. Now, his, his descendant, Abraham, was educated in all of the commandments, laws, and statutes regarding man's relationship to God himself and the earth. Uh, that's Genesis 26 and 5. Let's look at that one. For Abraham listened to and obeyed my voice. He kept my charge, my commands. Now, look at this. My statutes and my laws. Now, I want you to notice something. This was before Sinai. This was God's laws before the law was given on Sinai. And what did God say about him? He said, he kept my statutes. He kept my laws. He did everything he was supposed to do. So you consider one of those principles recorded in Genesis 14, a confederation of of four kings invaded the flourishing cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and took Lot. Abraham's nephew, captive, verses 11 and 12 of Genesis 14. So subsequently, Abraham engaged these four kings in battle, rescuing Lot as well as recovering all the booty. Now, we just read that, that, that Abraham kept all of God's statutes and his laws. Now, he had to have understood this principle because we're going to see something right here that you never seen before. This is the first time it actually occurs so en route to his home, Abraham met Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. He then gave Melchizedek tithes of the spoils, including non-agricultural products. You see that in verses 18 and 20. Do I have those? Yes, I do. 14, 18, and 20. Melchizedek, king of Salem, later called Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine for their nourishment. He was the priest of God, the Most High, and he blessed him, saying, Blessed, favored with blessings, and made blissful and joyful. Be Abram by God Most High, possessor and maker of heaven and earth, and blessed, praised, and glorified be God Most High, who has given your foes into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of part of what he had taken. All that he had taken. The Levitical law had yet to come out on Sinai about the tithe. But Abraham apparently was instructed by God about this because it didn't come out any. But this is the first time it happens. So this goes so far past the Levitical law. It goes so far behind it. So we see this, but what is interesting here is some of these observations. I want you to follow this. And there there are several uh, interesting observations that can be drawn from this account. The main one is this. The spoils clearly belong to Abraham. In a strict sense, according to the custom of war, Abraham was entitled to all one in battle by right of conquest. 
but not wanting his wealth traceable to any man, he returned everything except a full tenth and what his young men needed for provisions. You can see that in Genesis 14, 23 through 24. We don't have that one there. But the crux point is that he gave the tithe to Melchizedek before disposition to any other parties. Before he took the stuff back, before he gave the, 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 the provisions to the young men, he gave the tenth to Melchizedek. So Abraham began this. Uh, and it goes, there's actually, there's some... There's some uh, if you go back even to the Garden of Eden, you'll see some things that look a bit like the tithing principle that comes up there, but we're not going to go there right now. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, was involved in the other recorded pre-Mosaic tithing incident. Jacob was running for his life from his brother Esau in Genesis 27:43 through 44. And during his flight, God promised Jacob both the land and an innumerable host of descendants in Genesis 28:13. In a positive response to these promises, Jacob vowed a vow saying, "If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God." In verses 20 and 21. Then Jacob continued with a little-known second promise to his Creator. And of all that thou shalt give me, look at verse 22. It will come up behind me. I will surely give a tenth unto you. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar, a monument, shall be God's house, a sacred place to me. And of all the increase of possessions, there's that word again. And of all the increase of possessions. I keep saying that all there, all the time. That you give me, I will give a tenth to you. A tenth to you. Now, reference to Genesis 31, 3, uh, 31, 13, 18, 20, and 35, and 1, 6, and 15 shows that Jacob fulfilled the first part of his vow to God, that he fulfilled it. In that light, it would be highly inconceivable for Jacob not to have fulfilled the second half of his promise as well. And I promised to tithe on all the future increase that God would give him. Presumably, this would mean that Jacob would have to tithe more than once, since he would not have received all of his God-given sustenance at once. So we see these were pre-Levitical law tithing. Now we're going to look. We're going to look at the Levitical tithing. Apart from these two, again, specific accounts, tithing is not discussed again. You don't want to hear it again until. It's incorporated into the Mosaic Code. And here it is enjoined as an ongoing law, not one established at Mount Sinai. Look at Numbers 18.21. Numbers 18.21. And behold, I have given the Levites all the tithes in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service which they serve, the menial service of the tent of meeting. Now, notice he says it's menial service. So, you know, that, that, that's how it was looked at. Later, reflecting on their priesthood in the ancient Israel of Moses, uh, excuse me, in the ancient Israel of Moses, the apostle Paul said that the sons of Levi have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. Now, Paul refers back to that in Hebrews seven verse five. Hebrews seven verse five. 
And it is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded, commanded in the law to take tithes from the people, which means from their brethren through these have a descended from Abraham. Now note that. It was a commandment for the Levitical priesthood. Now Paul recognized that and recorded it in the book of Hebrews. The Levites took the tithes, but they did not specifically belong to them. According to the law, Moses had stated, And all the tithe of the land is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 27.30 However, God did designate the tithe for Levitical and priestly use at that time. They said, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance. In Numbers, again, 8.21 Now, for the sake of space... We're going, to, we're going to pick up the story hundreds of years after Moses, as long as the Israelites performed their responsibility in paying the tithe diligently, the temple services flourished. Following the return of a few tribes from Babylon to the Holy Land, it was a time of exciting restoration. There was a spiritual renaissance for the Jewish people. But let's look at something that happened or, or something at Malachi right before the changing of the Testaments occurred. Malachi gives them a stern rebuke. And I want you to see this. This is, this is good. Because once the initial zeal wore off, the situation in post-captivity Judah began to deteriorate. So they were zealous. They got back into the land. Everything was good. They were back where they belonged. The Babylonian captivity was over with. It was all gone. But things started to deteriorate. Priests became politically oriented and contemptuous of the temple services. They were haphazard in their selection of sacrificial animals. God gave them a scathing indictment through Malachi. He said he pointed to the track record of forsaking his ordinances and laws since the nation's infancy in the wilderness in Malachi 2.8 and, and 3 and 7. Give, give me both those if you would, 2.8 first there. But you have turned aside out of the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction in the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi with me, says the Lord of hosts. Now 3.7. Even from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my ordinances. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Now look at this. This last part so vital. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now they ask the question, how shall we return? How's this going to work out? How are we going to return? So when, when the people asked God just what it meant, God replied, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Malachi 3, 8 and 9. Now look at this. They were ans he was answering a question, how are we going to come? And they were asking the question, how are we going to get back to God? He says, by first starting to pay what you owe. You take care of what my ordinances is. The first thing, you didn't say get down and repent. you got to restore what you've stolen. You know, you really, it comes right down to that repentance as well. You can get down and repent all you want, but you've got to restore what you steal. You take care 
of what I have told you. Get back to what the, the basics are. And this is not just a fact of robbing the Levitical priesthood. This is a matter you rob me, and when you're robbing me, you're robbing yourself. So he gives it to them pretty straight, and it needs to be given pretty straight. By not paying the Levites the tenth, the people were actually, again, robbing God. But was the message of Malachi only for the people of that day? And this is where people come back to this. You know, well, that was just for the Old Testament. Well, let's, 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 let's just get into that and let's find out. Because the prophetic pre- and post-context of this tithing passage indicates that the message, indeed the tithing principles, was also for a future time. So the New Testament tithing is what we're going to get into right now. In Matthew 23, Jesus Christ, which, according to the Scripture, not only was he God incarnate, God in the flesh, but he's also considered a New Testament prophet. Okay? He indicted the religious leaders for their upside-down priorities concerning God's way of life. Because he says this in verse uh, 23. This is Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, it should come up. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These tithing ought yet to have done and not to leave the other undone. Verse 23. So Jesus of Nazareth did endorse the tithing principle even in the case of its its observance in what might be likened to a backyard garden. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. So you're paying tithe of your backyard garden. But you're omitting the weightier matters of law, mercy, and so forth, which he was letting them know, yes, you know, both of these are important. You can't tithe your way to heaven. But neither can you just offer mercy and loving kindness and not tithe. So he was letting them know the principle and how it operated. So he let them know. Another biblical passage helps to clarify this important verse in context. I want you to notice the very first verse of this chapter. Then spake Jesus to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So apparently Matthew 23 was directed to the general populace and the Lord's own special students as well as the scribes and the Pharisees. He was not leaving anyone out. They were all to do. At any rate, Jesus' own words do appear to uphold the tithing principle. Uh, and you can look at Luke 11:42. It's another uh, talking about, just will clarify it even more. All right, now let's look at tithing today. Let's look at it now today and let's just kind of get an idea fully considering the 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 foregoing material and how should the 20th century christian approach the subject of tithing how do we approach this you see it all i've always loved to see these ministers who will get up and they'll leave out how a woman should dress how a man should dress how church services should be conducted and say it's all in the old testament and then they'll go and, and they'll, they'll, they'll berate you on tithing. You've got to tithe. Well, you know, they say that the, the tithing, which we prove, which the tithing is in the New Testament as well. So is everything else. But it's just, you know, pick and choosing. The one thing's for sure, you cannot pick and choose when it comes to your salvation. 
You've got to be sure that you have it biblically correct. Wasn't I heard a guy make a statement one time that I was not going to remember how he did it. Uh, oh, salvation is free, but it costs you a tenth to keep it. Always remember that when you're looking at your wallet and saying you can't afford to tithe. That's good preaching. Thank you. All right. <laughs> In retrospect, it is important that we wholly recognize that God is the owner the proprietor and the creator of everything that we observe in the natural environment. It's all his, every bit of it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Deuteronomy 10.14, if you bring that up for me. Deuteronomy 10.14 just verifies what I've just said. Behold, the heavens and the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord your God, the earth also, with all that is in it and on it. In it and on it. And this includes rare metals often employed as basic monetary standards and mediums for exchange. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, said the eternal of hosts in Haggai 2.8. We didn't have that one, but that's what it says. The silver is mine, the gold is mine in Haggai 2.8. And there is no possible way humanity can begin to reimburse the Creator for all of His and all of his love, all the benefits that he's given to you, all everything. Can you even stop and think, is there any way that you think for what you know and what God has done for you in your lifetime since you've been serving him, do you think you could ever pay him back for that? If God ever asked you to reimburse him for all that he's done for you, which he never would, do you think you could? And I don't think any of us could ever say that, that we could possibly ever give him everything that, that, that he's done for us. And anyway, we could even pay a, a small portion of what he's done. The gift of life itself is, is precious beyond words. Then there is land, water, air, and all the little accoutrements of the earth that go to make life so enjoyable for men and women. For God makes his, the sun rise on the, on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust in Matthew 5, uh, 45. As David wrote about God, he said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Psalm 68, 19. He knew that our God is a giving, benevolent God that openeth thine hand and satisfieth the desire of every living thing in Psalm 45, 16. Tithing, indeed, the giving principle shows our respect. It shows our love. It shows our admiration for our Creator. It is an expression of honor an acknowledgement of God's supreme lordship and mastery in the universe. It's a fitting, listen to me what I'm saying, a fitting minimum standard for Christian giving. That is a minimum. The blessings really do not come from the tithe. The blessings come from above the tithe. That's where it comes from. A very wise king certainly captured the principle of this giving spirit. Honor the Lord with thy substance, I just read this earlier, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst with new wine. All right. Questions or comments on my left side concerning what I just taught?
Don't, I know where you're going to go with this. And I, you know what I, how I answer that question? You're saying, do they need to get it all caught up? Is that what you're going to? Let's just put it this way. Knowing what I know, I would surely do it. We've got people that tie that don't ever even come to church. You know, they don't even come to church because they know that if they, they keep that part of it up. Well, it's more than just the fact of keeping it up so they can make it to heaven. It's the fact that they're blessed. I know some of these people. They're blessed. So, yeah, I, I would. Now, you know, someone comes up and, and they backslid and ask me, I'll say, that's between you and God. But this is what I'd do. Anybody else? Questions or comments? Port side? Midships? Oh, did you have your hand up? No, I, oh, I thought she had her hand up here. No, okay. Midship? Well, I just left you. I gotta come back now. I gotta go over here because it's only fair to the starboard side. There's a kind of a minimum over here, on the on the, on the starboard side. Clear as mud. Go ahead. Way up, oh, like that. <laughs> All right. All right. Go ahead. Yell, please. Please yell. <laughs> Are you, I know you, you just said you, the tithing, you understand, it's beyond that. It's beyond the tithing. Right. I understand. I, I do. <laughs> I understand. Most all of us understand. And, and that is where, that, that is the situation there where that is between you and God. You just have to look at that and say, you know, God can, you know, you've you got to do what's right. But there is, there is that point of stepping out by faith. I, I mean, there really is. Um, you know, I've I've heard people make the statement that, you know, they couldn't. Uh, I know one particular person that they couldn't make their, their tithing every week, but they would always make it up. You know, somewhere along in the year, they would make even if it came to the what their tax check was, and and then the same thing with offering. You know, they would figure it out. Now, again, when we go to the point of offering, what is right, and that that has to be up to the individual. You know, I've heard all kinds of crazy things came out about offerings, you know. And, and, and I, you know, if we look at it biblically, biblically in the book of Acts, they gave everything they had. But they also, and that's one thing people don't realize, these people in Jerusalem gave everything they had, but Macedonia had to come back and help them financially because they did give everything they had. The reason they gave everything they had, they thought the rapture was going to take place. So they had to be helped later. All right, go back over here. That's 25%. No, I'm sorry, 20%. You're right. It is 20%. I was wrong, 20%. I, 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 didn't, I didn't add that part to this because I've got that in, in, in that, but I didn't add to this part to it. But, yeah, redeeming it, he's supposed to add 20%. That says it several places. Anybody else? Left side? Going back across? Anything's promoted? Any thought? Any 
Any, anything? And if I ask a question and point to you and you can answer it. <laughs> Go ahead. You're going to have to. Offering, the offering, the tithe, uh, if we look at it, the tithe was to, to, that was God's portion, okay? That was his portion. That belonged to him. And a lot of time the tithe was used, again, for the Le- uh, Levitical priesthood and other things that, that kept the temple going. The offering was just a free will. It's what it's actually called, a free will offering. That, yeah, that tithe belongs to God. I give that. I have no, uh, no choice. Offering is free will. I give it the amount of love that I have for God. That's what I do. That, that's the point of the free will. That's the reason that's, it's between that person and God. You know, it's the, Jesus used the, the, uh, the woman, the widow woman with the mite, which was a, less than a penny. And, you know, she came up and she was giving her offering and she threw this mite in. Well, all these rich Pharisees, you know, they, they threw in a lot more than her. But the thing was, that mite was all of her living. That's all she had. So God, Jesus told him, he said, she's more blessed than all of these because she gave everything she had. That's the, that's the key. She gave it all. And, and you know, the Pharisees, right, that could give ten times that amount. But it didn't hurt them. It didn't bother them. They had it to give. Anybody else? Go ahead. He understood the principle. Yeah. The wet night. So he's a. That, that, I know that's one of the, the things nearest your heart because you've told me many times about the, the giving. That, that is something that is true. And what you said is correct. You know, God blesses. Regard, you may not maybe living like a devil, but if you give to the, to the work of God, God's going to bless. Go ahead, brother. That's 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 right. That's a cheerful giver. Yeah. That's a cheerful giver. That's exactly right. You don't worry about that. And, and you see, that's what you just said, Isaac, is 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 a true key. That's where, you know, and you teach something like this, you'll get a certain amount of people. Wow, y'all won't get rich, so I'll start giving. And that never happens for them because they miss that part. I'm glad you brought it up because they miss that. You give because you want to give because you love to give because it's right to give. 
You don't give so that someone will put a check in the mail and send it to you, you know, for twice the amount you get. Though it does happen. But it's all in here. All in here. Go ahead. And really what you're saying, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Because really what you're saying is this. You know, if you start being faithful to God, not just for the simple fact that you know what's going to get you. Most of these people that you see that have done well, they've been giving all their life. It's not a matter of giving this week and next week you get ten times the amount. It's when you go back and you look four or five years in the past and you see what God has done for you in that period of time. That's what, and it's consistency. Consistency. I've seen it, you know, after so many years you see people that, that, that come in and, you know, I've actually had them come up to me and then tell me, say, well, you know, I, I've been tithing now for six months and I'm not any wealthier than I was. I've had them say that. And I said, well, you, you come talk to me after you've done six years and we'll, we'll see. You know, and you've got to change your attitude first, you know, that's... You know, it's not going to work. Let's change your attitude. Go ahead, sis. Yeah. Oh, it, it's so many things like that. And, you know, things like this makes you think. You go back and you begin to think of what has happened to you in times past by giving. And it, it's, good for, it's good for us to reflect back and realize what God has done. Anybody else? Go ahead, sis. right. That's good. Tie right off the top. Go ahead, brother. Great, great news here. Anybody up here got anything to add? That's the reason he's he's so wealthy. Go ahead. What's that? That's true. They even tip more at the restaurant than ten percent. That's right. There you go. <laughs> You're getting off cheap. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? You've always got something else. Right. 
that's that's a great concept. I can't do it anyway, so might as well get. <laughs> you know the thing about it, sis, is that you've got a great attitude about it. You always have, and you always take care of it. It always works out for you. Because I've, I've, she's told me some of the miracles that's that's happened to her financially, and I I sit back and kind of shake my head. Say, wow, you know, I, <laughs> that's that's. But you know, so much of it is not worrying. You, you know, it, it's not worrying. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do what's right. But I can't worry about it. It's a key. Yeah. The only thing that we've got to be sure that you remember is good stewardship as well. Yeah, stewardship is, what, do you, what am I, you know, I can't, I can't pay my tithes because I pay my electric bill. Well, what did you do with electric bill money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever stop and think about how much is it, what would it cost if you'd ever meal out? And it's just two people. And at, at the cut rate McDonald's place, you know, which is no longer cut rate. So my wife said they've raised their prices. And, uh, you know, I mean, what, would you... You spend over two people, would it be over $200 a week? Yeah. Wow. Just think of what you can do with that money. It's what you could do. Buy something important, like a new rod and reel, new gun, you know. (laughs) Oh, that's some good preaching. Stand with me. And I hope and pray that this has had some benefit for you. Now, these, this is biblical. Principles are correct. If we could condense this down to really what the Scripture says, God loves a cheerful giver, and we need to be cheerful about our giving. Oh, yes, I will. I will do that. Uh, he just asked keep Roxanne in prayer. Um, and it's also uh, pray for Patsy Gentry. Uh, continue to pray. She is doing better. And uh, how much longer is she going to be in her? Do you know? Okay. Okay. She's doing very well. Let's continue to pray for her. Anybody else that I've, I've forgotten that we need to pray for? Go ahead. Okay. Well, Lena, that's right. He is out of town. He's in some work out of town. Anybody else that you can, we need to pray for to remember? Go ahead. Tom? Okay. Just remember Tom. Um, is it any better with the dialysis? Okay. Okay. I know it's still, no matter what, it's tough. All right, let's remember them in prayer. Let's we pray together right now. Father, we thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. God, we thank you for talking to us this evening, Jesus, instructing us, Lord, in the principles, Lord, that we, we need to all obey. And I pray for each and every one that's been brought up, Sister Roxanne, God, Tom, I pray, Walena, Jesus, that you would move on each and every situation, everyone that has been brought up, and those God-unspoken requests that are gone forth. I ask now, God, that you would do this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Lord bless you tonight.